Hey friend, you are listening to Real Talk with Rachel, and I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. I'm a therapist who loves to draw you closer to Jesus and offer practical tools to help you walk confidently in who you are in Christ. Tune in on Mondays for short talk therapy episodes, always 15 minutes or less. And every other Wednesday, we share guest interviews with people I hand select to speak into your life. These episodes are meant to be educational, not a replacement for your therapist. Stick around until the end of today's show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Well, in case you missed it, my book, Image Restored, released last month. You can learn more about the book, access the private community at imagerestoredbook.com. And if you've already purchased it, please leave an Amazon review. Uh, It helps other readers find this resource, just like those of you who have left podcast reviews for this podcast, helps other listeners find it. So thank you, thank you, thank you, seriously, for all those reviews. I appreciate it and I read all of them. Well, today's guest is an endorser for Image Restored and she's a previous guest on the show. Michelle Myers is the co-founder of She Works His Way. She is the author of Conversational Commentary on Acts, Gospel Mission Then and Now, Conversational Commentary on Ecclesiastes, Wisdom to Live for Heaven While on Earth, She Works His Way, a practical guide for doing what matters most in a get-things-done world, and famous in heaven and at home. You can listen to Michelle weekly with her best friend and ministry partner on the She Works His Way podcast. She and her husband, James, live with their three children in Asheville, North Carolina, where James is the central discipleship pastor at Biltmore Church. That was a mouthful, but if you don't know Michelle, you need to go get to know her, read her books, listen to her podcast. She's amazing. Um, And here's what Michelle had to say about Image Restored. Body image struggles are so much more than a body issue. And finally, there's a book that tells the whole story. Inside these pages, Rachel pulls from her love for the Lord, her training as a counselor, and her experience as a woman who has been there to weave together a beautiful combination of God's truth, personal reflection, and practical application. If you struggle to see yourself how God sees you, this is the conversation for you. My friends, please help me welcome Michelle to the show. Well, hello, Michelle. Welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. Oh, I'm so honored to be back. It's always fun when you get to come back. It is. And it's a good sign that you were a good guest. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I always love talking to you. Yeah, good. I know. It's a little nerve wracking now that I'm doing more interviews where I'm the one being interviewed. You're like, I hope that was good. I don't know. I guess we'll see. (laughs) Um, You always do a great job. Thank you. But yeah, you two, you and Summer were awesome. I had to look it up which episode number it was. It was number 129. Uh, So it's been a minute. And we chatted about... I think back then we were talking about, oh, doing what matters most. That's what we were talking about back then. And so today I invited you back on the show because you were one of the endorsers for my book, Image Restored, and God just dropped it on my heart to bring some of my endorsers on the show to most, I mean, most listeners probably know you, but also (laughs) to introduce you and to honor you because I selected my endorsers based off of, yes, 
one, of course, we, you know, loved that you were able to say, yes, you recommend the resource, but also you were somebody who has ministered to me, who the Lord has used to help me in my journey in some way, shape, or form. And so thank you for being that to me as well. You're so kind. Well, it goes both ways. And I love Image Restored. Huge fan. That is a topic that we don't talk about enough. And you just did it in such a way that it was so humble, but it was also like relying on the authority of the Lord and like the freedom that he allows us to walk in. And I just love that you are passing on the freedom that he has given you to other women. So thank you. I appreciate it. Let's go back to, so normally whenever I bring guests on the show, I ask them a fun fact about them, which I know all guests hate that question and I'm sorry, (laughs) but I refuse to get rid of it. However, you've been here before. So I thought, how can we twist this a little bit? So why don't you tell us something fun, exciting? I don't know, whatever you want, even in the last year that you've just done, that was just fun. Okay. I took my kids to, uh, my husband and I went to my alma mater this past weekend. We took them to a university of Tennessee basketball game. And it's just always so fun to have them on campus because I remember where my life was when I was a college student. And I just always think back, I'm like, Oh my goodness. If I could go back and just tap that girl on the shoulder and be like, you just wait like another 15 years. I cannot wait for you to see the precious family that comes over that hill. And so it was just, it was so much fun. And that was like the, I always like, when I go back, I have those feelings of, I just want to tell like whatever season that you are in right now, I'm telling you because of the confidence that I have in the Lord, I know that there is a day coming when you would be in that same shoes where you would just want to be able to tap that younger version of yourself on the shoulders and be like, oh my goodness, hang on. You just do not know the goodness that the Lord has for you. And so do not despair in this circumstance. God is too good. He always finishes. He is faithful to finish everything that he starts. And that includes you. But that was a really fun moment that we had just this past weekend. That is super fun. I love that. That would be really fun. My husband and I met at OU and that would be a fun thing to do. Uh, Take him back there and him and I have been back, but we haven't taken all the kids back. And I love that. And actually that makes me think of a question I wrote for you. And really I had it way down the list, but we're going to just follow the prompting of where the Lord is taking this conversation because the thing that we're talking about today is you have written a couple of conversational commentaries. And the one I have in my hands is on Ecclesiastes. I I love this whole idea because if y'all know my heart is conversation. I love conversation. Mm -hmm. Yes, (laughs) I I could do that all day. That's why I like podcasting and counseling and all the things. And so I love that you created this resource. But one of the things you said in this resource was you gave the example, and let me see if I can see where it's at. You might know where it's at. Um, I don't know if I I know where it's at. So it's okay if, if you might know, and if not, we can still use it. But when you said, think about what you wanted 10 years ago. Oh, That was such a good, that's honestly like a solution-focused therapy question of where were you 10 years? Where do you want to be? But I loved it and how you used it biblically on the things that we think are going to fulfill us. But then I think we can see both sides of this, even you just saying, fast forwarding 15 years and going, hey, just chill out for a second. It's going to be okay. Um, But also looking back on that. So Let's find a question in this, Rachel. Um, The question, I guess, would be, can you explain to the listeners what you said about that, like reflecting on 10 years ago? Yeah, so 
essentially what happens in Ecclesiastes 2 is Solomon shares this experiment. That's what he calls it. He's like, he's just started this experiment basically of like, let me just try everything that the world has to offer. And so he walks us through his list of like, okay, I'm going to throw the best parties that anybody has ever seen. I'm going to be the party king. And that fails him. So then he's like, okay, I'm going to be responsible and I'm going to leave a legacy and I'm going to chase that. That didn't work. And so he goes, you know what? I've been working pretty hard at this whole legacy thing. I have so many people here and I can afford to pay them to do all the work. I'm going to let them do everything. And I'm just going to like sit back and if I get bored, I might go count my money or something, but I'm going to let everybody else do the work for me. And so Ecclesiastes two walks us through his list of everything that he tried to find satisfaction in. And I find that when we answer that question, when you think about what did you think that you needed to be satisfied 10 years ago, the majority of us, when we think about that list, we have what we thought we needed and we're still not satisfied. Yep. And so in seeing that, that what I thought I wanted, I got it and it didn't work. That is actually the entire point of what Ecclesiastes, what Solomon is trying to get across to us because Ecclesiastes, I have to be really, really careful about telling people it's my favorite book of the Bible because then people start to worry about me because people are like, isn't that kind of like the bummer book of the Bible? Because I listen, there are definitely elements where Solomon says some things like it is, and he is very much a realist, but he's not coming at it. The tone of Ecclesiastes, if you go to the very end where you just have to picture this old man who started really, really strong. And he says, fear God and keep his commandments because that is the sole purpose of man. When you read that, then it changes how you read some of the other things that people tend to listen to in a way and make it pessimistic or even sarcastic. They're like, everything is meaningless. He's not, that's not the tone of Ecclesiastes. Solomon is saying, Hey, everything is meaningless. Everything that you're going to pursue, that's not Jesus. That's not leading you back to God. That's not making you more of who he called you to be. Every single one of those pursuits is meaningless. It will let you down. The lies are going to look really good. It might even feel good for a little while, but eventually what's going to happen is you are going to feel even emptier after you get it because you're going to have put so much hope in something that cannot satisfy. And the reason why we have to take Solomon so seriously is because we have to remember how resourced, how successful, how powerful Solomon was. He actually says in Ecclesiastes, everything that I wanted, I got. Everything my eyes desired, I could have. And so he is saying every dream that I had, every desire that I had, it all came to its fullest fruition. And so where we struggle is that we're never going to be as powerful, as resourced, as successful, insert all of these things as Solomon was. And so we're always probably going to fall just shy, even if we get most of what we want, 
there's probably going to be that little bit that we don't get. And that little bit is what we're going to say is the reason why we're not satisfied. We're going to hang on to that little bit that we didn't get instead of recognizing all I ever needed was God. In fact, if you look at the bookends of wisdom literature and scripture, so wisdom literature's four books starts with Job, ends with Ecclesiastes. We've got Job who loses everything, but keeps God and hangs on. He fights for it. He has moments of doubt. He has moments where he, he, but he always comes back to his faith and he clings to that. And God restores everything times two. Then we have Solomon who gets everything and realizes all I ever needed was the Lord. So it's like bookended in that way. God in his goodness, wanting us to see whether you lose it all, whether you get it all, I'm what you need. Mm, Yeah. You said a statement in there of anything that we think that we're going to get contentment in outside of Jesus will disappoint Mm -hmm. us 100% of the time. Oh, 100%. -hmm. Like that is, I am very careful about my 100% lines, but Mm -hmm. 100% of the time. It's true. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And I will be honest here. Not that I'm not honest here. Usually that statement is funny to me sometimes. I'm like, so you're not normally honest, huh? No, I'm being honest. (laughs) But um, a couple nights ago, as I was preparing for this interview, I love the timing of the Lord because, you know, I, I just wrote this book on body image and just addressed head on laying down the striving and all the things, right? And I... Mm -hmm will say I have a lot of freedom in that area. But here's the the interesting thing to me. It's easy to lay down striving for one thing and pick it up in another area. Boom. Mm -hmm. And that's what Solomon says he did. Yep. Yep. And so that's what the Holy Spirit's like stepping on my toes in a good way, you know, (laughs) like when that happens. And a couple nights ago, I was on just haven't struggled with some anxiety over all I've got going on with this book launch and going, okay, um, you know, just feeling myself getting worked up, looking at my schedule for the week. And, and then I felt the Lord say, go get the Ecclesiastes commentary. And I'm like, well, Lord, I really didn't want to work right now. Cause I was thinking he was wanting me to work like write interview questions. And he's like, nope, mm-hmm. nope. I'm not asking you to write interview questions right now. I'm asking you to look at the book, just look at it for yourself. And I did. I laid in bed, pulled that out and got my Bible out alongside it. And it was exactly what I needed because I'm like you, when I read this book and I hear Solomon's words, they comfort me. They ground, they honestly ground me because they make me go, oh, I'm off the hook. Oh, good. This is so good to know that even if what I'm currently going through completely belly flops and it's like the biggest bomb ever, I still have Jesus. So I'm good. Yes. I love that you said that, that it it does. It really, how we read it matters so much. And I think too, that as I've gotten older, I think it changes the way that I read it because the longer you live, the longer you have been lied to by the world and you know, the lies And you know that it's not right. And yet somehow you keep living in this world where everybody just tries to make filters on it to make it look better. 
and to make it seem like it's not that bad. And so when somebody like Solomon comes along and just rips every single filter off the world and it's like, oh, you think that's going to satisfy you? Nope. Let me tell you why. Let me go to the next. Nope. Let me tell you why. I, I feel so cared for. Mm hmm. It gives me so much hope. Yeah. And I love that you brought up that he actually had everything because I think it makes it easier to receive it from somebody who has actually had all those things mm -hmm. and can say, uh, I promise you I have all the things. And guess what? They didn't fill a hole in my soul that only God can fill. It's, yes. it's comforting. And it's just a great reminder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So you actually started in the beginning of the commentary talking about your a little bit of your body image journey. Do you want to share any of that in relation to this topic when it comes to body image and you getting freedom in that area? Yeah. So I, I had an eating disorder and that eating disorder ran my life. And it makes it very uncomfortable to say because, and I'm not speaking for everyone that has ever had an eating disorder. I'm speaking for myself. It was an idol in my life. It was something that I put over everything. I did everything that I could to protect my eating disorder. It was my top priority. And that by definition is an idol. And I found because the reality of it was I was very disciplined in all of my eating disorder behaviors and in being very disciplined in my eating disorder behaviors, I got very mixed signals to where I had very concerned family and friends that were worried about me and I was getting modeling jobs. Mm -hmm. I was living in that tension. And what I found out is that Every time I thought this next thing will be the thing that makes me go, I've made it, I've arrived, I'm here. And I think the sentence that I wrote in the intro to this is the emptiest of empty is not getting what you think that you need to be satisfied. It's actually getting it and realizing that all you needed was the Lord. And that was where I got. I got, I, I had gotten everything that I had set out to get. And instead of feeling accomplished and like I had made it, I realized the deceit and the deception in what I had been searching for and what I had been working for. And I am so grateful for the Lord and his goodness and in the fact that he is not just a God of mercy, but he is a God of redemption because for years after that eating disorder and healing, he actually allowed me to work in fitness. I worked in fitness for about a decade where I got to share my testimony, not just in churches, but in secular settings all the time. And I constantly was able to give glory to the Lord for the ways that he had set me free and redeemed health and fitness in my life and allowed me to minister so many times. I always come back to how his power truly is made perfect in weakness. Because if you look at my resume, if you look at my story, if you look at anything, nothing says this girl absolutely had it to where she should have gone into fitness, but God. And he was just so incredibly good to allow me to use something that was 
in my past for his glory and for the good of others. But there was such a connection there that I wish that I had in that time. I wish that I had allowed these words be the balm to my soul that they are now so that I wouldn't have had to have gone to the depths that I did. And even after my eating disorder, I, I agree in the switching your striving of I stopped striving in that area, but then I started striving in work and really struggled with overwork and had to let the Lord teach me the same lesson, just in a different way in, in that area as well. And it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. These things all have a lot in common. And the thing that they have in common is I seem to become very dependent on me (laughs) and not very dependent on the Lord. So I I know you probably, because of image restored and the work that you do, I know that there's probably women listening here that feel stuck, stuck in that cycle of, I know this is wrong. I know this is too important to me and I don't know how to stop. I can't tell you how many times I thought that same thing. And I think I just want you to know, you don't have to know how to stop. You just have to go to God so he can stop it. Mm, Because he's the only one who can stop it. Yep. You are not powerful enough to stop the cycle. Yep. And nothing is impossible for him. That's the difference between the two. Yeah. That's so good. Oh, that's so good. Because that was when my personal healing began was when I finally let the first person I ever let into my eating disorder was a doctor when I was pregnant, um, mm-hmm. really came into the light, what was happening. And then God, I went and after that doctor's appointment, I went and sat in my car and cried and I opened the door of my heart and I said, okay, God, I'm really tired of this cycle. Can I, can you please help me out of it? And um, from yes. there got even more help that I needed. And I just love that you're bringing that up in that angle. And then also I was recently talking to a counselor friend of mine and she said that Oftentimes she sees that body image type things and disordered eating is a good girl's form of addiction, meaning, mm. oh, you know, and she's like, I know that sounds like kind of a harsh statement. And, and, and by the way, I also love Michelle that you said you're not speaking for everybody because obviously as a counselor, I do have to recognize that sometimes trauma can definitely, yeah. and, you know, so we're not referring to that right now. We're referring when the problem is more an addiction or um, idol or things like that for sure. But I'm with you. Mine was definitely more idol based and more uh, something, a need for control and things like that. And so the first step is exactly what you're saying of just opening our heart and saying, okay, God, I'm done with the striving. I'm done with this cycle. I know it's not serving me. It's not serving others. It's definitely not serving my relationship with you and just help me stop the cycle. And he, he yeah. will. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's so I good. Uh, yeah. So now let's get to that. The root then of like, we were just talking about, we, we exchange the, the body image driving for now let's go over to work and let's get to the root of that. So how can we go back to Ecclesiastes and what we can learn from him to stop the cycle? Like, it, it, you know, because Solomon, again, he found himself in it too. Ooh, let's go over here and try this. Ooh, let's go try yeah. that. Any any thoughts on that or wisdom we can glean from Ecclesiastes on that? I think so much of Ecclesiastes points to God's sovereignty of how God orchestrates and God allows everything that happens. Now, the problem that seems to come with that is 
there is a recognition of God's sovereignty of, Hey, ultimately what God wants is going to happen. But then there's this other part of that doesn't give us permission to live a passive life because there's no instruction that is given to believers that lends itself to passivity. God involved us in his work in the world back in Genesis one. You can go to Genesis one and you can look to see how he said, let man and woman, let them do this. And then after the fall, after Jesus, Jesus reaffirmed our work in the world with the great commission of telling us to go and to, to make disciples. And so where we have to land in this is a willingness to stay in step with the spirit instead of trying to be God ourselves and blaze our own trail, do life apart from him. Even if that looks like doing good apart from him, it is recognizing I want to go where he wants to go. I will do what he puts in front of me. I will trust what he takes me through and I will not attempt to micromanage like one of my main takeaways coming out of Ecclesiastes was how much I tend to emphasize the spiritual importance in parts of my life and de-emphasize other parts of it. And so I actually came out of Ecclesiastes going, when I ignore the limits that God gave me, be that rest, be that you know, work, whatever it is, when I ignore those limits, I actually limit my worship Hmm. because me acknowledging my limits makes me hand it over to the Lord because he's bigger than me and because he can. And so I love the part where in Ecclesiastes, Solomon talks about how he basically Solomon invented the phrase work hard, play hard. But he basically says like, hey, listen, lean into your work and then lean into your leisure at night because you don't know what God's going to use. And so it is that whole idea of us thinking I'm going to overwork and then ignore my neighbors when maybe the reason why God had you move into that house is so you can minister to that woman who's next door. Mm. And if you're so busy working that you're never able to talk to her then you're missing a ministry assignment because God's not accidental about anything. Every single area of our life is intentional from a God who is bigger than us, more powerful than us. And he wants his mission more than we do. And so if I ignore and I'm like, no, I'm just going to like head down and do my job so that I can reach the most people. And he's like, But if you just like go to your mailbox and like look at the person and wave and start a conversation, like you don't know what I might do in that area. And so I think it just causes us to recognize how we and our logical minds rely on our wisdom sometimes more that will even ignore like body cues that God gave us for like sleep and leisure and exercise that are a good thing that he created us to be able to do. But if we're so focused on one thing, like you just never know how God is going to 
use things. So like, I remember I had a friend and she just asked me, she was like, I have the craziest idea. I was like, okay. And she said, I need you to tell me where I'm, where I'm wrong. Cause I know that it has to be wrong. My kids are about to go in school. They're all going to be in school. And it's the first time that I'll actually have like full-time work hours if I want them, because they're all going to be in school. I really feel like the Lord wants me to take tennis lessons. And she was like, that couldn't possibly be the Lord, could it? And I was like, oh, yes, ma'am, it could. <laughs> it very well may be the Lord that wants you to take tennis lessons instead of throwing everything you are into work. If you cannot stop thinking about tennis lessons, and if you pray and the Lord prompts you to think about tennis lessons, then I'd venture to say that there just might be an assignment there from the Lord in that tennis lesson. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But like we, we tend to be like, this is ministry and this is fun. Yeah. And this is ministry or this is a hobby. And what we need to understand is that we live as ministers. And so we're never off duty. It's never an off season. It is always prepared to give an encouraging word always prepared to share the truth. And so it is not a life of all leisure. Solomon has some real strong words in Ecclesiastes against laziness, but he also has very, the same way. This is actually a test for like, how good are you at honoring your limits? Do you feel as passionately against laziness as you feel pushing the limits, pushing against the limits that God gave you? But if you're more comfortable with overwork, then if you're like overwork is, is okay. It's better than laziness. No, it's not overwork and laziness are equal disobedience. Mm. And so like, those are some things that, by the way, if that just stepped on your toes, I need you same me too. hit me first though. But those are some of the things that I had to wrestle with in Ecclesiastes of recognizing in any shape, form or fashion, I don't have to do God's job. God's really good at his job and I'm really bad at it. I got lots of evidence to prove that I am because unfortunately I've tried to do his job a few times, but he's really, really good at his job and he's really faithful and he really gave you a life to live and he really does love you. I always come back to, there's so many places in Ecclesiastes when I was doing a deep dive. So my husband, he is an extreme extrovert. If extreme extroversion was a sport, my husband would, would be the leader of it. And so many times Solomon comes back to this whole idea and it is, it is propelling the gospel forward, but it is understanding that God wants us to enjoy our lives. Like he did not create us to be miserable robots. He made us unique and different. He gave us gifts. He gave us passions. And those things are to serve him and to serve others. Mm. And part of the gifts and passions that he gave you, you might be like, I have absolutely no idea how this could have any form of gospel purpose whatsoever. And maybe it's just because somebody else has that same interest and God needs you to build a relationship with them so that they can find him. It is recognizing like it's a both and I'm studying, I'm actually writing another conversational commentary right now on Philippians and in Philippians two, I love verses 12 and 13 that talk about working out your salvation because it is God who works in you. So working out your salvation is not working for your salvation. 
but is understanding that your salvation is the gospel, like the motivation of the gospel and that gospel that saves you, that salvation is the same gospel that sustains you. And so the sustaining power of your salvation is you continuing to take faith steps, not just the first step that you took with the gospel. And so that's how we work out our salvation is continuing to take those faith steps. But that next part of it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And those last four words, probably my favorite words of those verses, because it shows us so much about God's character in that God is not working in you reluctantly. It's not an inconvenience. It is for his good pleasure that he works in you. And it's because he works in you, not that makes us like step off the brakes. We're like, God's doing it, but it is understanding because God is working in that's actually elevates the importance of me working out my salvation because God initiated this work and it gives my father, my heavenly father, great joy to be able to do this. And as I join him in that work with great joy, that allows other people to be able to see the character of my father who has pleasure working in me. Like it just like it changes and it shifts everything. Uh, not necessarily in action, but in posture and in fuel when we we live in that way. Yeah. And what I love about everything that you're sharing here and even about all these commentaries is it's getting God's word in us so that we mm. know the truth of what he is saying over mm. us. Because even a little bit ago, whenever you made the comment about the lazy versus overworking and mm. The Lord just brought to my mind how some of these expectations and these strivings that we do come internally, but some come from things we heard growing up. I know for me, I just literally had kind of a moment there when you were talking of growing up, often I was called lazy uh, for mm -hmm. most of my life, just lazy, 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 just that, that lazy resounds over my early childhood, teen, and even early adult years. And when my husband and I became business owners, I kind of was forced to get out of that lazy because it was like, okay, if we oh, want to yeah. make this work, got to do it. And um, I went the extreme to the overwork. And anyhow, you just saying that just brought to my memory of obviously I need to hash that out with the Lord of, okay, we need to, we might need to process that a little bit because I think I'm being driven to the striving mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. of just that embedded not wanting to be perceived as lazy. But then where it comes back around to what you were just saying just there from Philippians, him working that out in us is the more I draw into his word and the truth mm -hmm. of his word, then yes. that striving organically falls off of me because I go, wait, hold on. People might've called me lazy, but that's not what God says over me. Uh, people right. might've said that was my identity, but that's not, what, that's not what God sees in me. And so I no longer have to try to work off that lazy, right? Yeah. Like essentially right. you think about it, I'm trying to work that, that off of, oh, I never want somebody to think I'm lazy because that's not what God has said over me. So anyhow, I'm having my own little therapy session over here. I'm just letting you guys know about it. <laughs> yeah. So Say, hopefully that too. encouraged me somebody. Too. Yeah. Hopefully I that don't know that me. I've ever worded it that pointed. So I feel like that was something that the Lord was like, I need you to hear this. Do you, do you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. As we wrap up, I know 
it's let people know obviously where they can connect with you and then obviously also about the other commentaries that you have already out and coming out. Yes. Okay. So the easiest way to get your hands on the commentary is to go to Amazon. We do have every, I'm part of a ministry called She Works His Way. And if you go to sheworkshisway.com, you can find all of our social media links, the ways that you can connect with us, as well as easy links to all of our resources, both the ones that we have in-house and the ones that are available in different distribution channels. Um, But right now there are two that are out. So Ecclesiastes wisdom to live for heaven while on earth is the one that we've been talking about today. I also wrote one on the book of acts and the book of acts is gospel mission then and now. And it is literally understanding that the same mission that we see in the book of acts, the same God, the same Holy spirit, that story is still being written at your church, at my church, that story is not over. And so Everything that we see in the book of Acts is every bit of a part of what we're called to be as we are the church. And so it, it fires me up too. And in May, second Timothy is coming out. And the thing that I think is really unique about studying second Timothy, I actually studied second Timothy right after Ecclesiastes, very interesting in how I got there. I'm not sure, but about halfway through, I recognized, hang on a second this is Paul's farewell discourse. And I just studied Solomon's farewell discourse. And so to be able to see someone like Paul who did not start well, but finished well, and then to see someone like Solomon who started well, but didn't finish well, you know what? I got to rephrase that because Solomon finished with Ecclesiastes, Solomon finished well. His legacy, as far as his leadership and all of that, that did not turn out great, but He wrote down Ecclesiastes. We are still talking about it. It is still bringing fruit from the Lord. Solomon finished well. But to see them come to the same conclusions and to see what it looks like when you come to that conclusion with joy and what it looks like when you come to that conclusion with regret. Mm. Studying them back to back was, um, was very insightful for me and made me, made me think long-term easily. And then I'm writing Philippians right now about a life of joyful endurance, which is challenging me in the best ways. Um, but I think oftentimes we don't think of joy and endurance together. We think about endurance of like head down, get through it. Um, and then we think of joy as like blissfully unaware. And so to recognize that those two together are what Paul is writing about that life of joyful endurance that does look heavenward. It, it it's ministering to my heart right now. And so I'm, I'm excited. Um, not sure what's coming after Philippians, but that's at least the two that are out and the next two that are coming. Awesome. And those links will be in today's show notes as well. Well, Michelle, thank you for taking time to come on, share your insight and just for your yes to God's call. We appreciate you. Same to you, friend. It is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. On this episode, we discussed Ecclesiastes and it reminded me of something I wrote in chapter 11 of Image Restored. Here's what I said. Ecclesiastes 4.4 sums this up perfectly. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. To spend time comparing 
is likened to chasing the wind, my friends. We go nowhere and end up exhausted. Now, have you ever just tried to chase the wind? It's silly, right? I don't think any of us really try to do it. But not only is it silly, it's exhausting. So it's a very simple question. I ask this in the book, and I'm giving you one question today, which if you know me, usually I'll give you a couple little points, maybe some other tips, you know, whatever. Today, it's one question because I am so passionate about this question. It's something that God spoke to me several years ago. And when I feel like I'm in those seasons where I'm exhausted, I am chasing the wind and I'm getting nowhere fast. I hit the pause button and I ask this one question. Why are you chasing what you're chasing? I'm going to say that again. Why are you chasing what you are chasing? Now I'm going to say it as a statement. Get clear on why you're chasing what you are chasing. If you don't know your motivation in life for all the things, especially body image, but all the things, it is time to hit a pause button and it is time for you to get clear on why you're chasing what you're chasing. Did God ask you to pursue a path, to pursue a dream? Or are we being motivated to success simply because of our envy of our neighbors? That's only a question that you can answer. That's between you and the Lord. Take some time to get clear on why you're chasing what you are chasing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person who is sitting under the sound of my voice. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you correct us when we start chasing the wind, when we start chasing things and dreams and desires that are not from you. Please redirect us. Forgive us for chasing things out of the wrong heart motives. Give us our specific marching orders today and every day. We lay our dreams at your feet, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I pray that this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I will see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.